Hello, everybody. This is Shane Douglas Keene, and I am here with Rich Duncan. Um, in just a few minutes, we are going to be talking to Jessica Lane, and uh, you do want to stick around for that. She's a fascinating person, and she's got a lot of cool stuff to talk about. Um, and one note, Laurel Hightower is not here this week. She took a much-deserved break. Um, she will be with us for the show tomorrow that we record. Literary or not, you know, I think people were enjoying it, you know. So that that was like the most important thing to me. And that, and that it wasn't just. And the, the cool thing was the audience, even though the readers were writers of color in this in this particular instance, because it was our class, um, a lot of the audience wasn't. And it was, a, and there were a lot of the audience members who came up to me and said, "Oh, I really like that." So that was. For me, that was a really, you know, like a fun experience. Like it kind of crossed over. Like it did. Yes, she was Latina, but you didn't have to be Latina to enjoy this story. Absolutely not. Um, and, not. And I've only read a couple of your stories, but um, I that comes through and everything. It's like you can. It's not the character that makes the story. It's the story that makes it. You know. Well, I mean, not that. Not the ethnic background of the character rather not that the character itself obviously does <laughs> well and i think i just want i just want my characters to be able to do what anybody else would do you know and it doesn't and maybe it's not it doesn't necessarily have to be super dramatic but maybe it is dramatic but it's yeah it's just like their everyday life and i think you know i think i've at least now even more so than ever i think i write to like uh just try to bridge that gap with other people, you know, that, that, Hey, you know, the, you know, if, even if you find Latinos, for example, suspect, or, you know, don't no, you know, don't really love the idea of immigration, you know, they're just people like you, you know, and they're That's just right. going about their business and, and wanting to have the same hopes and dreams and desires that you do and problems that you do, you know, which I think as a writer, you try, you know, at least I try to focus more on the problems, you know, yeah, now yeah. All them, but <laughs> yeah, and keep away from the stereotypes of you know um, white people stereotypes. <laughs> well, <laughs> and I think yes, um, and well, and I think stereo. You know, it's funny because even as a like even as a woman, sometimes when I read characters written by certain some men are really good at some uh, men are really good at writing women, but. Some men are not great at it, and you're like, "Wow, what happened? <laughs> like, did they not have like a mother or a sister, or you know, or like a partner or something that they could talk to about this?" And so, yeah. um, sometimes I feel like that happens. You know, like I myself would not feel. I don't think that I will would feel comfortable writing an African American uh, character. And um, I'm part. My mom's part indigenous to South America, and I think, I think I would that's something I'd be really interested to do, but would be like also very like cautious because I wouldn't want to get it wrong. For, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, you wouldn't want to be seen to be coming off like a, like an American dirt scenario or anything like oh. that. Yeah. No, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's interesting though, because I'm writing basically my first two pieces of fiction and the primary character in both of them as a woman. Um, and I've been floundering, but fortunately, I have a bunch of great women around me who are willing to advise me and give me pointers on how they would react in situations. So that's what guys need to do if they're going to write women. 
is learn from women what they're like. <laughs> well, <laughs> and I would say, you know, vice versa too, right? So it's like vice, you know, it's like a woman could also should maybe do that, you know, and if they're writing a, a want to write a really good male character, you know, like, hey, run it by somebody, you know, it's um, and, and I know people, you know, also do that with if they're doing um, characters like of color or maybe LGBTQ plus car- characters. Um, and I think that's good. But I, I think one thing that's really hard is like just thinking about that there, you know, even right now, I'm like I've been uh, helping to critique some um, submissions for a grant for writers of color. And I've worked with a couple of different writers on that and reading through their stuff. I'm like, their stuff is so good. And they're like, I'm like, why isn't this already published? You know? So I think because they're, because the pipeline of marginalized writers is so bad, you know, it's like even more than ever. That's why I think it's so important to get those stories out there. And. (laughs) So, sorry, both of us interrupted you at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. Uh, go ahead with what you're saying if you remember now that we did that (laughs) well no i just i just felt like you know um when you know when you have an american dirt type scenario to me the bigger issue is that why did why did they think that a person who was really very far removed from that experience would be the would be the person that they would want to hire to sign a contract with to write to, to write that story you know when we have you know so many people other people unpublished or barely published or yeah pre-published and and who could tell that story so much more authentic not only more authentically but just i mean better just that, <laughs> you know? exactly yeah. yeah and this is so then it's yeah to me it's just you know when you look at the statistics of how few marginal marginalized writers get through and get their stories published i mean at least for me that's one of the things that made you know being in paquetu los so you know powerful is to see all of those different writers in there together and edited by by a latino person you know a latinx writer Uh, that's that's such a great anthology and i love saying the name it's one of my favorite sounding phrases paquetu los Yeah, and you you do it well, so that's good. (laughs) I know it's like the longest, it's like, but yeah, it's like all one strung together thing. I was saying it like it was four words, and then I heard Angel say it. It's like, oh, that's better. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, it's funny because I, I was like, I think it was pretty exciting to have him as an editor because he really didn't. I mean, he didn't give me too many. I don't think he like maybe gave me like one note back, you know, comment back on my story, if if that. And I feel like he kind of really let everybody do what they wanted to do, and that the freedom, the freedom to write what you wanted to write was. I mean, that made it so for me at least made it really special. Yeah, I I remember. Go ahead, Shane. No, I was just telling you that. Go ahead, Rich. Uh, yeah, I remember talking to Angel kind of about that about the you know the genesis of that project and i was i was going to ask you kind of you know what it was like you know because i think he 
and I could be misremembering it because I think I spoke to him last year, but kind of like he kind of didn't really approach it like, I guess, like in a traditional editor sense, like that's not kind of what he wanted to do, I think is what he had said. So I could be wrong on that, but I think I remember him saying that. And I was just curious, you know, what the process was like, but I think you kind of answered that. Well, it was, yeah, I I think his, you know, his emails also were like kind of funny, like, hey, if you want to be a part of this, cool. If you don't, that's fine, too. You know, it's like very relaxed, kind of. Yeah. Um, And he was like, I'm just looking for good. You know, I just I think he was, you know, may, you know, maybe it was when that I don't know. I can't remember the name of the study off the top of my head, but the study that comes out every year that kind of says like, well, you know, writers writers of color still aren't really getting published and still aren't part of publishing and you know you can still find like 10 times more books about animals than about people of children of you know than about people of color and children's books and stuff like that and i think he just i think it, you know it's kind of interesting because i think he was like well if i don't do this it's never going to happen who's going to do it if i wait for somebody to do something like this it won't happen and I think um, so. I think that was kind of the impetus for him to like put together this project, and then I think it kind of coincided. I'm trying to think, um, the the you know, there's a crime writers of color group, and I think he might have put out an email on that for that group and said, "Hey, if anybody is a Latinx writer, I'm looking. I'm putting together a database, and I'm looking for more writers, and I'm putting together this project. If you're interested." And then I think um, because Cena and I are both from the Midwest and we're well, I'm from Chicago originally. And we both at that time, I think, belonged to the uh, MWA Midwest chapter. And she, I think she asked me or I asked her, are you going to do you plan? Are you going to submit or would you, you know, are you going to try to submit? And so she said she was and I and we had. I think she and I had talked about being in different projects for a while and none of them had really panned out, like trying to get to get to do a project, you know, together. And so then this one kind of just happened to work out where we both submitted stories. And then and then it was really cool because, uh, I mean, I did I had maybe heard the names of some of the other writers, but I had not necessarily even met them on social media or had much interaction with them. Or, you know, and, and I don't think and most of them I haven't met in person. Yeah, I think, yeah, besides Cena, I have not met anybody. Um, so it was, yeah, so it was a really great experience. And then he just said, okay, well, this is the due date. And I don't, and I think he said, um, whatever you want, you know. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Yeah. And then... <laughs> And then when I and then obviously a lot of the writers were crime writers of color, you know, so and I think that's, you know, so it didn't so it didn't surprise me that a lot of the stories kind of ended, you know, some of them at least had that angle. Um, And then when when uh, I after I submitted, I think he just said, well, do you think about this? And I said, well, and then I think it was just very minimal. I don't think he really did. any. I no like line editing and then like maybe just one or two very minor suggestions for changes and then that was it yeah and i think that's kind of a cool approach 
because um, like when I read it, that was the fa- my favorite anthology I had read that year. <laughs> Excuse me. And I was talking to him about it a little bit. And, you know, I didn't really n- know too much about it. Like I said, I, I just knew that he said he kind of didn't approach it kind of like a traditional editor, so to speak. But that's kind of cool that, you know, that's how he did it, because one of the cool things about that anthology was, you know, just the different voices and the different you know styles of story like you said there was a lot of them that kind of had like a crime slant but there was a bunch of other you know genres mixed in there as well and even the crime ones you know they all had kind of like their own distinct flavor to it and i think part of that is probably because of the approach he kind of took with it you know he just kind of let you guys write whatever story you want and you know just let your voices shine through that but too um when it comes to your story and uh in pocketulos episodes um the it didn't need much i mean i didn't find anything so if he only made one comment there's a good reason for that it didn't need anything more so that's all. Well, just... I, I appreciate that. Will you be my editor next time? So, like... <laughs> <laughs> you, I'd be, I'd be proud to. Well, yeah, and actually, I do owe you guys a story too. So, I, I, re- I remember, I remember. So, <laughs> see, so there you no go. I, I usually do the editing on those. So, okay. Well, yeah. I, I mean, this is on. This is recorded now. So now I can, I can play this back to you. <laughs> you promised. <laughs> dude <laughs> <laughs> to hear my voice my <laughs> um, well and i you know and i think like i thought that the one or two things you know i don't uh, i think they were pretty thoughtful which i appreciated and i think one thing he said back or said to me or i remember him saying is you know i i'm puerto rican but i think he's also like second generation puerto rican you know so it's like my experience is completely, even though we're all Latinx, all our experiences are different. Some people are first generation. Some people are Mexican. Some people are second generation, like me, Peruvian, you know, Peruvian American and so on. And so he's like, I didn't, I think he didn't want to like, I think he realized that this is like, hey, giving us the freedom that we might not have gotten if this was a more traditional um, anthology you know, and one thing that I really like about it is um, there's kind of been there was kind of a discussion actually this week with some crime writers of color about how it's really hard to submit to traditional anthologies, uh, crime fiction anthologies sometimes because it's really hard to get into them. And uh, yeah, sorry, that's I keep starting to. I get caught in pauses and go, oh, she's done, and start blabbing because I like to hear myself talk. But <laughs> well, please, well, please do because I I feel like I'm hogging. So. Oh no, that's the idea, man. We we like or we like guests who like to talk about their work and about the things they do and who they work with and all that stuff. And um, the more you say, the happier we'll be. So. <laughs> Um, what, I, what I don't remember what I was going to say, so I'll just kind of segue us a little bit here. I talked my memory away. Um, you want to tell us about uh, – I'm drawing a blank on the 
on the title of it again. Um, the Two Bad Apples presents Reading for Relief. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Reading for Relief. So that's, um, well, that was um, another one where, so I, I think um, I told Shane, um, Shane, I think I had mentioned that I was from, I live in Minneapolis. And so um, I actually live in the suburbs now, but had lived for five years kind of right in the kind of the hardest hit area of Minneapolis during the riots um, following George Floyd's death. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think it's it's not great living. You know, I think one, you know, there's there's a lot of there are a lot of good things about living in Minnesota. But, you know, one of the bad things about living here is the uh, racial disparities, you know, so um, they're the second worst in the country. um, And the first worst is like Mississippi. In terms of like, you know, the difference between uh, white and black people's income, um, education, you know, levels, um, et cetera. So. So I think, you know, it, it was probably something that had obviously it's been building for a long time. And afterwards, you kind of feel like, is there anything that, you know, you kind of feel really helpless. Right. You know, and in a way, it's a natural disaster because you're just trying to, you know, people's homes have been burned down and businesses and you're, you know. And so I think people were, were really good about, like, getting supplies to people downtown who had been affected Um but I was kind of like, well, what can I, you know, what could I do as a writer? And Angel had already scheduled a Paque Tu Lo Sepas event on June 26th. On, uh, I think it's fr- that's a Friday, June 26th, with Astoria Books uh, Bookshop in New York. Um, and that was that's a reading with all with all uh, people who had stories in Paque Tulo Sepas. And then I said, he said, you know, I almost wish we could do like a fundraiser or, you know, like he had kind of thrown out the idea to the writers who were going to be reading, like, what do you guys think about doing a fundraiser? And so um, I said, hey, I had an idea. And so I had already been talking to Once Upon a Crime Bookstore, which is the crime fiction, the mystery bookstore here in Minneapolis. Um, actually also very close to where a lot of the destruction um, of, from the writings happened in Minneapolis. Um, and Devin is the owner, and she's like, she's very cool. And we had been already talking about doing um, a reading with crime. I said, would you be, would you be interested if I did a, a reading with crime writers of color? And she said she was. And so then I said, well, what if we kind of you know, talked with her and Angel and said, what if we kind of made this a two night event where it would be a fundraiser for Minneapolis? And so um, through an anonymous um, donor, um, all book sales um, on those two nights, Thursday, the June 25th and Friday, June 26th, either through Once Upon a Crime in Minneapolis or Astoria Bookshop in New York um, will be matched up to two thousand dollars. Um, with donations to nonprofits here in Minneapolis, in Minnesota, that are helping to rebuild Minneapolis. That's amazing. That's so awesome, and it's so awesome to see all the people who are coming out and 
getting involved and trying to raise money and raise voices up and you know it's it's the situation is disheartening but it's also pretty pretty uplifting in its own way too it is i mean i think it's i mean even you know those early days seeing people kind of coming from all over can you hear me hello yeah okay. yeah we can hear you yeah. sorry um even uh, seeing the people like just with the foods and the diapers and everything, you know, that alone was pretty cool. And then I think now um, also for me to be able to work with somebody who I really respect and like as a person, you know, Angel and Devin from Once Upon a Crime, um, I think that like for me, it just made it that much better. And um, I I think, you know, one thing, you know, the other thing is I feel like um, I never, I don't see a ton of, I see events with, you know, like, okay, there's like one crime, you know, one crime writer of color or one marginalized crime writer involved in, in a, in a otherwise kind of like a cis white event. And it, I think for me, it's really cool to be a part of one where it's like, wow, it's going to be all these writers of, of crime writers of color together, you know? in one fell swoop, both nights, you know? So uh, 14 different writers. So to me, that's like, I just think that, that like for me, that's, it's, yeah, it's gonna be, I'm, I'm really excited to be a part of it. And I'm like, okay, you're not gonna cry like when it happens or like when you're doing the introduction, cause I'm the moderator on, I'll be introducing the readers on Thursday night for Once Upon a Crime. And I'm like, okay, just try not to get too emotional, but I'm sure, I'm sure it will be pretty emotional, actually. I think by by its nature, it almost has to be, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's really, yeah. And I feel like I don't want to, I want to focus on where I think I can be, can be of help or, or what can I do to, like, make things better? And I think, I think, you know, like everybody else in Minneapolis, in, you know, in the Twin Cities, part of, you know, what first is just like helping to get some supplies down and donating money. But I think this other piece is I just, you know, that's when I said, well, I think that I could help five writers of color to submit their uh, applications to the Sisters in Crime Eleanor Taylor Bland Award this year. So I did that. And then I think being able to be a coordinate this reading, which I would have loved to have done anyway, but is now a fundraiser that could hopefully will raise like a lot of, you know, could raise up to $2,000 for Minneapolis. Like that also just feels like it's, it's, um, it's good for me. I mean, it's good for Minneapolis, but I think it's also like good for me because it's been kind of hard to see, you know, parts of the city that you love so much, you know, um, in ruins, <laughs> you know, to, you know, to be quite honest. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited too to, you know, like had Shane had said, you know, a lot of the stuff that's going on, it's kind of, you know, disheartening, you know, see, you know, all this negative stuff, you know, happening to black people with the police violence and everything. But, you know, for all of, you know, there are good things that are kind of coming out of it, you know, people are coming together and, you know, people are having conversations about about things. And, you know, that's not to say that, you know, things are getting better, but at least people are some people anyway, are you know, trying to trying to understand and, you know, you know, help 
make a difference, you know, out of something like this. But um, yeah, and I, I think one thing that's cool is like, you know, they said, you know, now uh, like more than three quarters of the country actually believe that race is a problem in the United States. And it's like I, I wonder what that number would have been before all this happened, you know. <laughs> yeah. And so, I, I mean, I, you know, I'm sorry that it took so much to get to this point, but it, yeah, it does feel like uh, hopefully this is a turning point now. Yeah. Yeah. That's you, you put it much better than I did. That's, that's what I was kind of getting at there. And, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, this stuff stops and, you know, people continue to, you know, communicate and like, you know, listen, um, like you said, like now people are realizing it's a problem. It really shouldn't have taken this to, you know, make a lot of people realize that when it's been happening, you know, for a long, long time. But, um, you know, to the, your reading series, you know, for someone like me too, I was excited about it because, you know, you have, you know, both your, um, your event night and angels, you know, you guys have, a great, you know, lineup of writers. And for someone like me, you know, it's cool that it's going to be kind of, you know, virtual, you know, which I'm sure is partly because of, you know, the coronavirus and stuff like that. But um, I thought that was kind of cool for someone like me, because, you know, I live out in the middle of nowhere. There's, there's really no art scene whatsoever. I'm not terribly close to any, any major, you know, cities like Buffalo and Rochester, but I don't think there's too many things like readings and stuff. So this is pretty much like one of my only opportunities to, you know, be a part of something like that is, you know, seeing it online through like Zoom and stuff. Yeah. And I think it's really cool because I, you know, also, um, I mean, it's not like, you know, Minneapolis isn't New York either. So it's not like you can... You couldn't necessarily get all of these writers together here either, other than for it being virtual. So I feel like this is, you know, this is definitely the time and the place to do this. And it was really fun working with Devin because she was like, you know, I, you know, we kind of went, we had, you know, I kind of went through a list of writers with her and we found, you know, um, some really good writers who had just had new releases and who she had, you know, a bunch of copies also in, in already in stock. And so and it was like all people who are part of these this crime writers of color group that I was kind of talking about. And so for me, it's just been really fun because I've maybe seen messages from them or, you know, said, you know, said a couple, you know, texted or messaged a little bit. But now I get to feel like I'm going to get to know them a lot better, you know, because of this event, which is really cool. And it's and it's kind of fun because I'm kind of working my way through their their books, too, you know, in preparation for for the event. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be really fun. And that was and then that was also when I was talking to Angel because Angel and I talked one night. And I think one of the things that we were both annoyed with is that, like, OK, well, now we we have to do virtual events, which is cool because you can put together writers from anywhere you know, like they don't have to be in Minneapolis, for example. But then we were still seeing a lot of all white writer events. And you're like, wow, you can't even find one like LGBTQ writer or, you know, like 
black writer for this event like when now that it's virtual you know I, I get it if it's like you know like you said you're in you know in a part of the country where it's like a small town and you know and you're not doing a virtual event but like virtual events now we can actually they could be relatively integrated and so I think he actually said that was one of the reasons why he wanted to do the Friday event originally was like hey I want to why don't you know and also just for because for I think it was um, Puerto Rican Independence Day. I hope I'm not getting that wrong. <laughs> I think it was. It just happened, and um, and so so I think for me, like to see all of these writer crime, especially crime writers of color, together to over two nights, like you said, like to me, I feel like it's it's not just powerful, but it's also like kind of magical. You know, like this is like for me, I'm. I'm just all I'm just really excited for this. And I'm like and I hope I hope a lot of people will be able to join. If not for one, then maybe the other one, you know, or even just for a little bit. Um, yeah, and it's kinda like I mean, honestly, if you have never listened to most um Latinx authors read, um, you're missing something fucking amazing because they're usually a lot better than us white folks are at it. <laughs> you have a certain uh, poetry to your, you know, I don't know what, exactly what I mean by that, but it seems like every Latinx person I've ever heard speak was just a gorgeous speaker, you know. <laughs> so people should listen to him. <laughs> I think I, you know, I always, I think I, I am probably biased, but I do like I like listening to crime writers. I think that they tend to be put a little bit, you know, I again, it's a bias, but feel like they put a little bit more passion into it, you know, and make it a little bit more dramatic. And so I'm yeah, I'm just really excited. And I, I feel like also because I, you know, reading, especially reading Paque to Los Epas, I also learned a lot about people's cultures that I had no idea, you know. Or, and I think for me, that was like particularly true, like in, um, like reading David Bull's story, um, the bones of Rio Rico with like the, the owl, which is, I mean, I just was like, I love this story and I didn't, was not expecting it to go that way at all. Bowles is a brilliant dude. I've read that story twice now. I read it in whatever it was originally published in one of his collections and then again in pocket to los Epis. and uh yeah he's just amazing um but before i forget my whole point when i butted in and interrupted everybody <laughs> i was i was just gonna say speaking to that you know how many events there are with all white writers or all white writers and one one person of color just to you know fill a quota or something like that is um it's good that everybody's having the conversation now or the vast majority of of us are but the most important part of the conversation is the one that white people have with themselves when they look in the mirror because uh it's it's true that it's a problem we all have to solve but the only way it gets solved is for people to be able to look in the mirror and see that they're the elephant in the room where that we're the ones who are the problem you know and well, go ahead oh well i don't know i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't just say it's white people i mean it's everybody you know like yeah. um i pass you know i'm a white passing latinx like 
the only time people really, really, really know that I'm Latina is like in the dead of winter, you know, like when I'm still brown, you know, like, <laughs> like okay, <laughs> he's probably something. But, um, you know, and so I feel like I also can do more. You know, I can do more for um, black Latinx people. I can do more for black writers and yeah, and black people in general. Like, what can I do, you know? And it's, so it's not just on white people. It's on everybody. And the other thing is, like, one thing about, especially maybe particularly about George Floyd is, like, I think we, you know, it's like, it's easy to say, like, well, um, that was such an egregious, you know, like, I mean, event like uh, uh, a death a murder in front of our eyes but the harder thing is kind of like what you're saying which is like what can I do as an individual to make things better for black people or who you know other marginalized groups you know so and I had to I had to also look in the mirror and I said well you know what maybe I could help people maybe I could put together this event you know maybe instead of just being annoyed that another cis white event is happening with you know old white guys or whatever maybe i could put together an event right you know <laughs> because i i mean i was a uh, i did do literary events for um the, uh, the city i lived in before for like two years and i'm like I, can, I mean i can do it you know so why don't i do it you know i can do it so that was kind of the impetus for me and i think i mean it sounded to me like similar to Ankel, but you know, now that it's happening, it's like, let's just keep the momentum going, you know, and um, and and hopefully, especially as long as there's virtual events, I hope people will think about yeah, maybe just adding, you know, a gay writer or or a, a disabled writer or a black writer or reaching out to find somebody, even if it's not their friends, because I think one thing is writers tend to be or can be a little bit clicky. And so it's like you kind of see the same writers together at different events, you know, a lot. And so it's like, for me too, it's like, I want to be um, more welcoming and opening, uh, you know, kind of open up to doing events with different people and reaching out, even if I don't know them very well. Yeah. And we can all do, do like you say, you said it better than me, but um, we can all do our part. um, And there are easy ways to do it, you know, like Inkheist, um, if you listen to our older podcasts, we we purposely seek out a diverse array of authors to bring on and to talk to because it makes our show so much richer, you know, and it's kind of like, you know, don't do it for a quota or whatever. Do it because it's the right thing to do and because you will benefit from it. Well, I really appreciate you guys. I mean, I feel like you guys have done a ton, and I know that you also take a lot of heat for that. And so I just want you to know that I greatly appreciate it. And I mean, I I like I mean, I have to be honest, like I cried when I heard like you doing your interview with Angel, like about Paque Tulo Sepas, because it was like, um, you know, to be to, I felt like you guys were so kind about my story and to feel recognized as a writer. I mean, it's just like. You know, it's just like the best and made me feel so like it makes you feel like, yeah, I should be doing this and I should keep doing this. And, you know, and it was something really fun for me that I like shared with like my parents and my, you know, my husband and my friends. And so I just I just want to say thank you so much because Um, our pleasure. It's it is our honor to be, you know, to do anything we can. So. Yeah. And um you know, kind of going off of 
that. Um, you know, I was kind of curious a little bit about you as a writer and kind of, uh, you know, what what kind of styles appeal to you? Because I've only been able to read um, the story in Pake Tulo Sepas, The Sundowner. And um, I also just read your story um, in the Murder at Gogo's anthology, um, Lust to Love. And I really love that one. And, um, you know, Lust to Love is kind of like a crime story, but like the sundowner, like when I was talking to Angel about it, um, you know, there was a lot of reasons that I loved it. But like one of them was, you know, both Shane and myself, we kind of like, you know, like hybrid genres, you know, like crime noir mixed with horror, you know, and other different types of like genre combinations. And I feel like the sundowner, you know, it had a lot of those elements in it. And I was kind of curious, you know, like what kind of genres appeal to you, maybe even as a reader and a writer, I don't know if they're necessarily the same thing, um, but just kind of what genres appeal to you? Um, like, are you really into horror? Do you lean more towards crime or, you know, stuff like that? Well, it's interesting because I feel like I kind of go through phases in, you know, in my life, like for, I, I mean, almost like five years, I went through this like period where I just read memoir and now I haven't read one for like years, but like, I just, I don't know why I was just kind of into memoir and reading them. And, and then, um, I think growing up, I was definitely, um, up till 18, I read primarily horror. So like, that was kind of like, you know, a lot of the, um, classics like Stephen King and, um, uh, I liked but then I also kind of liked people who kind of riffed on that, like Tanith Lee. I don't know if you even know her. She's. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I just loved her because her, she kind of did these takes on um, kind of gothic um, fairy tales. And so she would do like she always had like a bunch of like collections of of these like fairy tales. And I think one of them was called like Red as Blood. And I just loved her stories. I don't know. And I also I also loved Clive Barker. And I used to work in a bookstore in, in high school, and we were allowed to check out the hardcover novels. And so, like, a bunch of his had come out at that time. And it was, like, right before – I think it was, like, right before Hellraiser came out. You know, so he's still – like, he was popular as a writer, but the his movies hadn't – you know, the movies hadn't come out. And I would just love, like, I read, like, Books of Blood and all those, and I think I've read every, um, maybe not so many of the recent ones, but I've definitely read all of Stephen King's books, like, probably up to, like, maybe, like, 2000 or something. So, um, and then, um, but I, I guess I had always, I, and I think, well, I guess I, maybe this is the time when I should also point out, like, I dressed up as the Raven, in fourth grade and recited the poem to my class. <laughs> so like that's so cool. I just loved Edgar Allan Poe. And I and I think the one thing I love about him is, you know, he didn't I don't think he ever he never separated horror from crime fiction. You know? So he's like the the father of the American uh, mystery story, you know, but so much horror and so i think for me i, I think it, 
personally, I kind of like that intersection of of the mystery and the horror. And that's and so I think I think Angel had mentioned to you guys as well that I really want to make a, like a series out of that. Yeah. And my mentor at the Loch Literary Center, I had been working on a very literary mystery novel, and I've kind of shelved it, but I've thought about going back to it. But I told him, well, I, w- I really want to make this into like a series of books. And he's like, um, okay, yeah, I mean, I could see people loving it, but what if you have to write like 10 of these? And I'm like, then I'll write the 10 best damn, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> Margarita O'Neill stories that the world's ever seen, you know, and it's it's kind of funny because I do think there's something about like the literary side of right of literary writers that they just don't they don't love the commercial, but I I love commercial I love commercial writing and I never I never understood the people who didn't think Stephen King or Clive Barker were, were like amazing writers, you know. And I have to say, I do love On Writing by Stephen King as well. Like, that's a great book. Um, so, and then recently, I mean, okay, since COVID and everything, I have to admit, I've just been like, I've been reading very, like, oh, well, actually, that's not true. I did read, I read one, um, kind, I don't know if, you, have you guys read, I don't know if you've read Sarah Sliger. She has her debut came out this year, I think, or maybe maybe late last year. And she wrote a book called Take Me Apart. And it's kind of like a psychological suspense book. And um, that one I just really liked. Um, and I think she teaches writing somewhere out in California. But um, it was about like a lady, a woman who has some mental health issues and is trying to figure out kind of the mystery of a female artist who who kind of went off the her life kind of went off the rails and now she's been hired to like um put together her um collection um of work and then they're going to sell for auction and um i just like i i read that book in like one day i couldn't believe how good it was and so that was like maybe a little bit darker one that I've read, but right now, like I said, I'm kind of focusing on the books for um, the reading coming up, which is good because I've, you know, I feel, I mean, I don't know how you guys feel. It's like you can't read everything, you know, so it's nice to like have a little bit of a focus here, at least for me. And I'm right now I'm reading, I don't know if you guys have read Jennifer J. Chow. But I'm reading Mimi Lee Gets a Clue, which is more of a it's a little bit more of, I'd say, like, I don't know if it's so much a cozy, but it's it's a more of a comedy or a light lighter mystery. And I really like it. (laughs) I don't know. It's not I like it because it's kind of taking me away from my problems. and, And it's and it's fun to read. She's a really good writer. That's something. Yeah. And that's something you kind of need that break every now and then. It's kind of like um I just picked up a copy of S.H. Cooper's The Night's Daughter, and I haven't read fantasy in like a hundred years. But, <laughs> yeah. but, but it's really kind of, you know, it's just kind of, like you say, it just kind of a little bit lighthearted, and it t- takes you away from your troubles for a while. Yeah, and it's been, um, well, yeah, and then I'm actually working 
Yeah, I'm working on a piece, um, well, um, for another anthology, and it's also based on music, and it's for the, um, I don't know if I should even, hopefully it's going to get published, but, and that one's a little bit lighter too, and I think I've, I'm kind of enjoying, um, I did, I mean, I definitely will say like, I think since COVID hit, I feel, I've felt like I've had a, a, um, a little bit of writer's block, you know, and I know, I know I've heard other people say that too. And I think it's for like a number, you know, number of reasons, but also, you know, just having to like homeschool your kids, which I don't know if either of you had to do that, but it's like, wow, 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 God, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, luckily my daughter, she's, she's still young. She's uh three and a half. So yeah, mine are all adults. They wouldn't let me educate them if I tried. <laughs> well, that's kind of how it was in this household too, though. Like, they, my son did not want to get educated by me, but anyway. And I think now, now that school's finally over and things, at least in the Twin Cities, feel a little bit like okay, now we're things are being rebuilt and et cetera. I felt like more like the the urge to write, and that's been really fun. That's been nice because I, you know. I think that's probably the longest I've gone without writing for a while. And I didn't, and it didn't feel great. So no, no, it doesn't feel great. Um, I had a, like a decades long hiatus from writing that I regret pretty severely, but, um, um, but I'm glad that you, uh, have continued and stuck with it because we need all the, all the Jessica Lane in the world. Oh, thank you. Well, yeah, well, like I said, I know I, I owe you guys a story, but, um, yeah, it's just been nice to um, want to write again, and um, and I have an idea for you guys, but I'm not even going to, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I don't even want to, like, let's just see where it goes, because I, I kind of, it's it's kind of based on a, well, I don't know if I should even tell you about this, <laughs> there was, <laughs> maybe, I don't know, maybe later, maybe later, but anyway. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, I have to deal with that periodically too. Every now and then, you'll suddenly hear a raucous cacophony of dogs barking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's so weird. Like our dog, he is a lab, and he's he's not a huge lab, but he's like seventy pounds, and he has this like really high pitched, crazy, shrill bark, and it's just like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny because it's funny because I have a Lhasa Opto, you know, a small dog, and yeah. he sa- he sounds like a Rottweiler when he barks. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I just was like, I thought he was going to grow into a deeper bark, and he never did. And I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, we have that problem too. Like every time, because we have three, we have a boxer and two little like ankle biter type dogs and like every time they want to go outside especially if they hear the neighbor or other dogs like they'll Uh crowd near the door and then like when like as you start to walk out there they just go bananas and then you open the door and it's like (laughs) it's just it's ridiculous (laughs) i know and i feel like uh, my neighbors are what is it ear piercing shriek from hell you know it's like (laughs) (laughs) 
but yeah, too. Um, I meant I meant to chime in earlier, but I'm so glad that you um you definitely have considered writing the series with Margarita because I absolutely loved her, especially like that. And I'm not gonna give too much away about the story for people who haven't read it, but like that scene with her boss Barry, who's like just a total slime ball, like kind of how she how she kind of like gets her like revenge i guess you would say like i thought that whole scene was so great oh thank you yeah i was it was fun to write it's like you know you're like i feel like you know sometimes you think of every annoying thing that ever happened to you or when your girlfriends and then try to like you know uh make amends or whatever and so that was like very satisfying to like write that scene so i'm glad you liked it and yeah, I was, you know, I mean, to be honest with you, I kind of went back and forth on putting the story in the book because I'm like, that's kind of what I had been working on. And it was, it's the um, story that um, I had won the Sisters in Crime Eleanor Taylor Bland Award for um, previously. And so, but, I, you know, I'm like, even, you know, even talking to Angel, it's like, well, I can always just riff on that, you know. And I, can, I have others. She has other stories, too, you know, um, or I could just try to blow it out. I mean, I, I think it's like, do I blow that one out into a novel or, you know, into a, a manuscript length thing or just kind of do a different story? So but I want to keep writing stories with her because I kind of I like her as a person. And even though I live in Minneapolis, I really like St. Paul. So I feel like St. Paul's <laughs> – I like Minneapolis too, but St. Paul's like a little bit more – feels more like a real – like I don't want to say a real city, but it's, it has like neighborhoods, you know, like very distinctive neighborhoods. Yeah. Uh, maybe a little bit more. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would like to – I'm glad like Rich said that you are considering a series with that character because she is fascinating and she has so much potential you could mine. Um. And I just because I want to read some more of that shit, Jessica. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, it was, you know, it was funny because when I wrote it, I was kind of like, um, the first reading I did for it, it was like a really early draft of it. And it was, I think the Twin Cities Sisters in Crime um, group here in town went, did a reading at a local bookstore. And so it was the first time I was like reading it in front of people, you know, and then it was like kind of like my fellow writers and you know people in the bookstore and afterwards the lady who owned the bookstore came up to me and said is that is that a book because I like to read stuff like that but she kind of said it quietly like it was a guilty pleasure you know because <laughs> she was the book owner and maybe she should be reading more literary stuff or something but I thought like when she said that I was like wow maybe people would like this because it's kind of a fun it's kind of a fun read you know it's not you know you can kind of have fun with it, hopefully. And so then that she kind of like made me think, yeah, maybe there's an audience for this, you know? Yeah. And, you know, too, that that's another thing. Like I, um, you had mentioned earlier, too, kind of like, um, you know, how literary people view genre and, you know, vice versa. And that's one thing I've always been fascinated by because, like, there's tons of writers and, you know, both – Mainly I read crime and horror, but, you know, there's like, I think a lot of people just hear those like genre tags and like, if they're not, you know, already fans of it, they kind of have like these notions about it. 
But like I've read stuff in both of those, you know, genres that, you know, has every every bit of literary merit as, you know, just straight up literary fiction. Well, and then I think it's kind of interesting because I think, I mean, I don't even feel like at the time anybody, you know, even his contemporaries, I think, would have said Edgar Allan Poe is definitely literary. But he's definitely horror and he's definitely gothic and he's, you know, and he's definitely mystery, you know. So I don't know why people get so wrapped up on it, but I've decided that I don't really care. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great answer. (laughs) Uh, and also because almost everybody I've ever known who loved, who was literary or taught literature loves genre too, you know? So I think, I think, I think, um, there's, it's not just a market, but I think, and I think it's really hard to write a good horror story or a good mystery. You know, it's not, it's not easy at all. Like, um, and like I said, I haven't read as much horror lately um and i and the thing that kind of bugs me is like i love horror movies and then this is kind of stupid i had a dog my last dog was also a lab and when they would and he lived he lived he died at 10 10 years of age and he um passed away he when when you would play us when i would rent a horror movie and the music would start and it'd be like he'd start crying (laughs) So literally for 10 years, I could not watch a, a scary movie. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> it was the worst. <laughs> that would be a drag. The things we do for our pets. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, because I love, like my, and my, my husband doesn't love scary movies, but I love them. And so I would just be like, you know, and then as soon as they go, you know, and he would go, you know, like, and he was like, and there was no way that I'd say, go, go to your room, you know, go to the bedroom. And he would like stick his head out. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that was like very annoying, but um, yeah. So I'm. I think now this dog doesn't seem to mind as much. He has other issues, but not that. Not that one. <laughs> uh, to Jessica, I just realized um, you were telling uh, Shane and myself kind of about like how you enjoy ghost stories, and you were telling us a story, and I think we like just switched gears. Because of our wait, our wait, break, I, I apologize. I will come back to that, but now my dog. Oh no worries. Me, so I'll be right back. Yeah, no worries. Um, that was a yeah. So when I lived in my our old house, we purchased it from an older couple, and um, I think they must yeah they must have been the original owners because I think it was built in the late 50s and then they were like in their late 80s I think when we bought it from them and the wife had passed away and this husband was going into assisted living and um I never like had any feelings or anything like that in the house at all and then I think I think yeah like six months or maybe a year after we bought it we got a dog and um, when he was, had, we had not had him very long. He was a rescue, but he was only like five months. 
And I think when he was like, we'd, I'd had him for like a month, my husband went on a work trip. And so it was just me and the dog. And then um, our house was like, it was a mid-century and it was like a one level ranch rambler. And it had like a really long hallway from the bedroom to the front door, kind of like every, you know, like there's like a long hallway kind of stretching the length of the house. And um, so I was in bed and the dog was on the bed with me. And then all of a sudden the dog just went <laughs> and like was and I had and he was a lab. So I'd never heard him growl even once. And the, all the hair, his hackles were raised. And I was like, what? And it was like it was like around probably almost around midnight. And I watched him just like walk down the hallway, the entire length of the hallway, growling at something that I couldn't see with his hackles raised and his teeth and his fangs bared. And until he got to the door and then he like, and then he stopped. And it was like he had walked something back down that hallway. That is just chilling. <laughs> and my yeah. husband was not there. And I turned on every light in the entire house and just stayed awake the entire night until the next day. And then fall, fell asleep at like seven in the morning because I was like, oh, my God. And that was the only time he ever did that. And he never did it again. Uh, yeah, that's freaky. That would yeah, scare the hell out of me. And I'm a skeptic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because they say that like... Uh, you know, dogs and animals are sensitive to that stuff because, um, like, I I love ghost stories, too, especially, you know, like, true ones. Like, we're a skeptic, so I kind of want to use air quotes when I say true, but, like, we had, we had a short-lived series that we tried to, re- we're trying to revive where, like, I did one, Shane's working on one, and we had a couple writers do, like, their, you know, true haunted stories and that stuff's always interesting because i kind of had an experience like that with my dad's dog growing up where you know she would just like lay halfway in between like the kitchen and the living room and she would just bark at this one corner and like you know it could have been anything but it was just it was just creepy as hell (laughs) yeah because i don't feel like dogs like i don't feel like they don't I don't feel like they're apt to just like bark at nothing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I feel like As, if they're barking, there's probably something there. Especially if they're not prone to growling or barking much, then it's kind yeah. of a, a, a flare, was, you know? <laughs> it was really scary to me because he, you know, I mean, labs are pretty happy anyway. Yeah. You know, happy dogs. He, he was a very happy dog. And that was the first and last time I ever heard him do that. And, um, and then for me, like, because I knew the husband was still alive, I, I always wondered if it was, like, the wife who had passed away going back to her house, you know? And so I ended up writing a story for the Norwegian American magazine called Lily of the Valley, and that was kind of based. And then I also found out later that his wife had died in this, like, horrible manner oh. and kind of at the at the assisted nurse at the at the nursing home she was at. And so. I kind of put that in the story, too. And then after I wrote it, and it was cool because um, I don't, oh, yeah, some, yeah, that was kind of cool. I mean, one good thing about being, like, part of a, you know, uh, joining these different, you know, crime writing groups is 
I think the somebody at the Mystery Writers of America Midwest chapter said, hey, the Norwegian Americans always looking for mystery stories. So if you have one, submit it. And so I had submitted this one, um, a, you know, like had submitted it and then hadn't heard back. And then all of a sudden the lady, the, the editor, publisher wrote me and said, hey, can I um, I want to use this story. Have you sold it anywhere else? And I said, no. And it was cool because um, in Norway, they have like a holiday where they give each other books. Right on. Yeah. Have you yeah. heard that? Yeah. It's, I forget what it's called, but, um, and they did it for that issue, which I really appreciated. And so, um, so that was kind of, and so then when I read it, I read it to my husband or I had my husband read it and he said, he read it and then he said, don't ever write a ghost story based in our house again. <laughs> Good job, then. <laughs> yeah, and it was funny because I had, when it came out, uh, I was like, I had a babysitter and I came back one night and I came back early. And I said, and the, oh, and the babysitter said, I said, oh, yeah, I wrote a story. And I said, that's online. I'll send it to you. And I came back early because I'd forgotten something. And she jumped out of the chair. <laughs> And I said, what happened? She said, I was reading that story and it was scaring me. And then I didn't know when you came in from the garage, I got like, I was really scared. I didn't know what was going on. So I was like, well, that's good. So she liked it. Um, mission accomplished. Yeah, that's awesome. Is that is that one still like available online or is there a way yeah. like uh, people could check it out? It is still online. So I can, I can send you the link. Cool. Awesome. We'll put it in the show notes. That was, yeah, it was fun. That was a fun one. And I, I think I definitely would like to write more. And I would also like to read more horror, to be honest. And I, I think, um, like I said, I think the last couple of months I've just been kind of like, uh, just kind of hanging on like probably everybody else and yeah. maybe, maybe baking more than I ever have in my life. And like, just kind of taking it kind of kind of reading a lighter fare, I guess. But um but I don't know. I, I always feel like horror something I like about horror maybe is just that I feel like it always gets I feel like the writing is a little bit more honest, you know, because you kinda have yeah. to the person gets stripped bare, you know. Um yeah, I agree with you there. It's always um and the writers who do the writing tend to be writers who are willing to look directly at something whether it's something within themselves or something without or you know something violent or you know whatever or emotional or whatever um you see it some in crime you know a lot in crime noir but to a huge degree in horror yeah and i like i said i hadn't read haven't read too much but i've read um so uh few story, uh, short stories and novellas by Ed Kurtz. I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I really like his writing. And I had actually met him when he lived in Minneapolis. He's um, a sweetheart. Yeah, he was so nice. And um, had, he had come to, like, a cl some class that I was taking, and he was part of a panel. And um, I just, yeah, I really like his stories. And I also like the fact that he, he can put, he also, for, like, his short stories, will put, kind of comedic you know like touches in them too which i appreciate you know so i like i like his i like his writing quite a bit yeah we do too um been reading him for a long time now now i think about it too long 
<laughs> it means all those years have passed me by now. <laughs> <laughs> well, one um, one book that I bought like every edition of so far is. Have you seen? I don't know if you saw. He's like a little novella called The White People. Oh yeah, The White People. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just love it. I don't know. And he's like, and I bought it like I bought it with the original, like the original paperback and then he came out with it like a different cover so i had to buy the new one (laughs) (laughs) uh he's he's a funny guy and uh when he told me about that i just nearly spit pepsi all over my keyboard (laughs) (laughs) i know he's really funny yeah um yeah and then i finally like i actually felt like wow i'm 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 like um, I did venture to see one horror movie recently, which was Midsummer, which I don't, you know, I don't, I mean, it wasn't, I, I liked it, but I didn't like, it wasn't, um, I thought it, I liked the, the kind of the ambiance of it. I guess, I don't know if you guys saw it. Yeah, I've, I've seen it and like, I have like a short one sentence description as how, like I enjoyed it, yeah. but I have like a way to, I have a way to sum it up, but I don't want to, I don't want to. You can tell, you can tell, my husband's people. like, what is this? This is so, you know, I, but <laughs> I was, I think I was, I think it was like, if it, it first, maybe it was a little, maybe don't put this on the thing, but I think it was a little long for one thing, you know, I don't know mm-hmm. what you guys thought. Yeah. I yeah. I agree. Um, Rich and I had different experiences with it because I didn't even actually finish it. Um, <laughs> it just didn't. <laughs> well, neither did my husband, so that <laughs> he was like asleep. <laughs> well, and you know it's funny. Like I I doubt he listens to this show, so I feel comfortable saying this. But like it's funny because like I en- I enjoyed you know, hereditary at midsummer. But it seems like he keeps pushing the run times. Like the next movie it was like, oh, it's gonna be a four and a half hour nightmare comedy. And I'm like, I hope he's being sarcastic about the four and a half hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean it was I mean I, I mean one thing that I thought was interesting is like having it during the daytime. But but um yeah, it was just it was more like creepy. It was creepy, but maybe could have been a little shorter. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because him and uh, I think like because they tend to get kind of grouped and compared. I don't know if you've seen any of uh, I think it's Robert Eggers, movies like The Witch or The Lighthouse. I like The Lighthouse a lot more than I did Midsummer. No, I haven't seen that, but I've heard it's really good. Mm-hmm. Is it also kind of like, um, it, I mean, it seemed to me like it's like you don't really know what's happening. Is that? Uh, yeah, it, it's kind. Yeah, it's kind of like that, but like it's kind of hard to explain. Cause I feel like with like the witch, like some people said that it was you know a little ambiguous. I I thought that one was okay. The lighthouse is kind of ambiguous, but for me, I guess it all kind of depends on how you approach it. Like for me, I tried to avoid any spoilers and I just went into it, you know, kind of expecting, you know, to just kind of 
experience it and not necessarily try and like piece it together. And I think as that, it worked. Like, I think you could piece it together. But for me, I kind of went into it more for, like, the visuals than anything else. I mean, it does have a good story, but I was kind of in it for, you know, the visual style that he put on that movie. That he brings, yeah. Well, I think maybe I'll start with the lighthouse then. I did see that Knives Out is back, is on Netflix, though. And I think... Yeah. I want to see that too. I haven't seen it, and I think I think it was on Angel's timeline. I think he talked about that movie a little bit, quite a bit. I liked it. I thought it was really good. I mean, I definitely recommend it if you have Netflix. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, definitely. I'll check it out. I mean, the thing that I think is crazy is like Christopher Christopher Plummer is like I, he has to be ninety, and he's still so good. And I'm like, I don't want him to die. I want to keep seeing movies with him. I know, I know. It's always amazing to me that the longevity that some of those actors have. Well, and I think like like he's an interesting case, kind of like Frank Langella too, because it's like the movies, you know, started kind of in horror, but then it's like all the movies they've done since have been so good. You know, like are, well, maybe would be considered more literary or more whatever. You know, um, I think it's kind of cool that they've had such long careers. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I always like that too. Watching, like you said, different actors that kind of have different career paths, or you know, long longevity. Like too, I've always been fascinated, kind of by like the uh, the comedians, like actors that were known for their comedy work that do like dramatic stuff, like like kind of like almost like Bill Murray, like Lost in Translation. I loved that movie. And even Jim Carrey, to an extent, like everyone, you know, he has he doesn't always have great uh, dramatic roles, but like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Like, I loved that movie. So I've always been fascinated by that, too. And kind of the longevity, but kind of like artists, you know, taking on something outside their comfort zone. Yeah, definitely. Um one that I was, I don't know what was making me think about it, but um, I don't know if you guys, and it's like kind of old movie too, but The Ninth Gate, did you guys ever see that one with Johnny Depp and Frank Langello? Langello? I you have, know? but not for a while. Yeah, I know I have, but I I have uh, really, really messed up memories, so I could watch <laughs> yeah. it again and it would be new to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like that one a lot. I like the book too. It was The book it was based on was good too. Um the um, Club Dumas, I think it was called. Oh, that's good to know. I didn't re- actually realize there was a book. Yeah, it's by a. I think he's a Spanish writer named Arturo P- Perez Reverte, and it's called the Cl- the Club or the Club Dumas, and um, it's it's and uh, I really like the book. The 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 movie kind of took like a little bit. The ending was different from the book. Uh huh. But um. Another, oh, oh, go ahead. I yeah. was just gonna. I was just gonna confirm that last name is R E V E R T E. Yeah, his yeah. it's Perez P E R E Z dash Reverte. Yeah, R E V E R T. Um, and he, I haven't read any of his for a while, but he's he kind of has really interest. He's kind of a mix of kind of crime horror. 
Um, <laughs> all his, a lot of his books kind of have a little bit of a supernatural tinge to them. Hey, um, sounds interesting. Cool. Yeah, he does. He he does like straight kind of more. He does. Um, he does kind of. He I think more recently he's done more of kind of like a adventure type of novels, but he's done quite a few um, mysteries. And one of them was the Club du Mas, which I really liked. And um, I think he's got a couple other ones too, but that's the one that kind of stuck out in my mind. Um, I was trying to see what else he had. Oh yeah, and I think one of his books, uh, the the Queen of the South, was made into um, about a Mexican woman who becomes she's like a head of a drug trafficking cartel. I think that was made into a, like a I don't know if it was like on Netflix, but it was like a mini series too. So he kind of writes all kinds of different stuff, which is interesting. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. I'll have to check those out. And I got to say, I got to thank you because, like, some of the stuff that you've mentioned, books and movies, like, I hadn't heard of. So I've been frantically writing them down so I could check them out later. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's that was a good one. I like that one. Oh, yeah. And the um, the other one that he wrote that was kind of was also a a mystery, but kind of like, um, uh, based on, I think it's like a, a woman who's an art historian and has to figure out this mystery about like a, a assassination that had happened hundreds of years before. That one's called the Flanders Panel, and that's like a really good one too. That was like, um, and I think that one, I think you know that those might be even like that one might have even come out almost 20 years ago. I bet 15, 20. But yeah, he's he's an interesting writer. And he's got a really cool fucking name too. He does, and he actually <laughs> looks—he actually looks cool too. If you like see a picture of him. <laughs> <laughs> now, now the nerd Shane is out looking for pictures of him. <laughs> <laughs> like he looks like he should be writing shit like that. <laughs> you know, it's like. <laughs> um. Sorry, I lost my train of thought again. Um, I think we're, uh, getting pretty close to doing a wrap up here just cause I have to get dinner for my wife going. Um, oh, yeah, sounds- could you, do you have uh, important to you stuff that we did not cover that you would like to cover? Because I mean, I still, uh-huh. I, I got about 20 minutes. I just do this early so I can. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, the only other thing that I was going to say is I know that there's been kind of like, a, I mean, as you guys know, on Twitter, there's been all this stuff about like how crappy all these different writing groups and associations and conferences have been and i just wanted this i guess one thing i just wanted to mention briefly was i was like pretty excited to see the anthony awards list come out for um this year for about from VoucherCon, even though i know VoucherCon's kind of on everybody's shit list right now um or or not so much i mean i don't know if it's VoucherCon, yeah. but conferences in general but like, I, I mean, if you look at the list of the award nominees, I mean, there's a lot of diversity in that list. You know? um, sorry. Yeah. Which I am really thankful for. Include, you know, and included in that list are both um, Murders, Murder of Go-Go's and Paquetulo Sepas. 
So Angel's up for best editor, as is Holly West, who edited Murder of Go-Go's. And I think Hector, Hector is Hector? Yeah, yeah. Acosta? Yeah, Hector Acosta and I and Alex Segura are both up for best short story. So, oh, I mean, wow. yeah. So I feel like, you know, um, you know, because sometimes these lists, you know, they say, oh, yeah, the list is going to come out. And you're kind of like, oh, no, <laughs> like, oh, you know, please, God, don't let it be horrible. You know, like the I same know. two people that we've seen every time. And then and then this list came out and there's just like tons of great, like great, diverse writers on there. And so I I thought like, you know, I always wanted to say I was like very thankful for that. Yeah, I am too, because um, you don't see that enough. Um, and I'm not putting any cons down, any writers groups or anything like that. But you don't see near enough of that kind of diversity on awards list, both among you don't see near enough new writers on them and you don't see near enough diversity on them for the most part. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes it's like it feels sometimes these awards come out and there was and there was one recently and I won't mention the name but it was like all white writers and you're like really you couldn't even find one token right you know like any I know <laughs> right it's, it's like I uh, I know it's one you're talking about and I won't mention it either yeah but. I don't want to I mean I don't want to you know I'm gonna like maybe thank the people who are doing it right and just try to forget the people who got some work to do or whatever but um yep um, and it's kind of like, and then, but I also kind of call those like the cat who ate my pencil writers because it's kind of <laughs> like, it's like a very, you know, traditional white cozy kind of deal. And, and so, I mean, to me, it was kind of cool that the Anthony awards went a little bit more kind of went out of that, you know, box. Yeah. And they kind of got, got away from, uh, um, kind of that old boy network sort of approach that a lot of them do um as you mentioned some some of them there you see the same group of writers over and over and over again and mm -hmm. a lot of white people and it's good to see one that has also been traditionally leaning that way to go in a different direction with it well and i definitely i mean i take i kind of take into heart everything people are saying because um i'm help you know the voucher con is in minneapolis in 2022 i'm jealous and i'm i'm work i'm a co-chair for panels and so i definitely don't want it to be a crap experience for anybody. you know like i'm like let's get that you know like let's help make this a great experience for everyone you know who comes and a safe experience and um a, a fulfilling experience you know so Hopefully, just taking notes on everything that they're saying on Twitter about stuff that sucks, and 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 hopefully addressing that before it, it comes here. Yeah, it's it's good to pay attention because um, history repeats itself. Well, and it's kind of like you, and it's you kind of you know once you go to a couple of these events, it's like you kind of figure out who you got to stay away from. Yep. And um, and that's doubly true. Um, if you're if you're a woman or a person of color, you find it out quicker and more often. 
Yeah, and I've heard, I've also had my um, gay friends have also said, like, oh, people will say stuff, and you'll be like, wow, did you not know I was gay? And right. You're saying this? <laughs> <laughs> like, I wasn't hiding that, you know. So, yeah, but, um, yeah, so, I mean, for me, personally, to have, you know, it's like, to have both my stories and Anthony Award nominated, I mean, that's been pretty cool, too. A nice, a nice highlight in the year that's been... I mean, for all of us, kind of rough so far. I think. Yeah, that's a that's amazing to me. I mean, that's fantastic and well deserved. I think I said something to you about it when you mentioned it on Twitter. But congratulations on yeah, that. Thank you. And you know, I mean, I talked a lot about Angel. And one thing, one you know, that Angel said is like, be the change you want to see. So, I'm really trying to take those words to heart myself. Like, yeah, that I'm working on. But. Um, you know, Holly West, who edited Murder of Go-Go's, she really tried really hard. Like, I think she really went out of her way to f- try to make that a more diverse list um, group of writers that were and, in, this, in this book. Yeah, and she did a fantastic job of doing just that. Yeah, and she's just a fantastic person, too, so that helps. Yeah, I can't wait to read <laughs> that whole book. I've only read I've only got read about two paragraphs of your story out of it today. Um, because I reread the Sundowner because I couldn't not. <laughs> Thank you. You guys are making me want. I'm like, I'm like, I have. Well, I have. I owe you guys a story. I, I have to write one other story, and then I'm like, I want to get back to my 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 margarita. <laughs> we are. I'm sitting there going, God, a margarita sounds really good, but that's not. What <laughs> yeah, that also sounds really good. Yes, I agree. Somebody make me one. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> It's hot in Portland today. Yeah. <laughs> um, Even is hot. Um, yeah, that's better than really crappy for what's going on, I guess. But, <laughs> I mean, really yeah. rainy or something. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I forgot what I was going to say. Rich, did you want to ask, follow up or ask anything else before we start working toward letting Jessica get back to her life? Uh, just the only thing I wanted to mention uh, before that is uh, so I she doesn't kill me, but our oh yeah, uh, Tower couldn't join us tonight, and she wanted to make sure that we let you know that she really loves your work as well. Um, I I meant to do it at the start, but we kind of got we just went on a roll, so I just wanted to throw that out there yeah. so she doesn't hate me. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I really appreciate that. Yeah, she was so nice on has been so kind on Twitter. I just really appreciate it. You know, it's I mean, yeah. I think, you know, I think you guys know it's like being a writer and doing stuff. It's like it's kind of yeah. a lonely uh, deal, you know, and I think having this great community and getting to know great people like you guys and Laurel, it just makes it so much better. And I just really appreciate you guys. I really do. Uh, and vice versa. Yeah. Well, you guys, you guys are all great, and I, and like I said, I just really appreciate it, and it's very welcoming, and I lo- I do love that you guys like um, have such a wide variety and array of guests, which is really cool to listen to. You know, for me too, because I sometimes I get to, you know, it's nice to learn about different writers um, from people I trust. I guess. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I hear that because I've had bad advice too <laughs> yeah 
Definitely. And, and yeah, and so when you kind of find your trusted sources, you know, and people who are also very cool, makes it like, yeah, just to, I really and I really appreciate you guys because I was definitely scared to come on and I'm like, OK, and then so <laughs> but you guys made it a really nice experience. So I appreciate that, too. Uh, and and it was lovely talking with you, Jessica. I hope we get to do so again very soon. Um, and I hope to God we get to read some more Jessica Lane soon. Oh, thank yes. you. Appreciate that. Yeah, you will. It's coming. I hope. And okay. hope I get to read your story too. So um, you will. Okay. I, I'm gonna make it happen. It'll it'll be somewhere soon. Cool. So um, okay. thank you for being here. Um, thank you. We'll let you go now, and then uh, we've got to record a quick intro before we hang up. Because we okay. didn't do that, we got so fascinated with talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might have been the first time we've done that too. Like we were just, <laughs> we were so excited. We we're just like skip the intro. Oh my god! Later. You guys are too nice. I was like, okay, in the shower for 500 hours, and then it's like, ah, and I'm late, and then I was like, oh god, they're gonna hate me so much, and it's already like, and and I was scared because this is my first one. I mean, so thank you. Uh, anytime. Pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is great. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, we will air Tuesday. Tuesday, okay. Uh, yep. Jessica Lane, everybody. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Have a good night. <laughs> is somebody going to hang the fucking thing? <laughs> <laughs>